from the big screen to the small screen and everything in between. This is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hey guys, and welcome to the Screeners Podcast. I'm Melody. This is Chad. I'm Chris. I'm Josh. And I'm Daniel. And we are back again to talk all things media. We have an awesome episode for you guys this time. But before we get into it, we just want to remind you guys that we totally do want to hear from you. So if you have any feedback, any comments on any of our episodes or anything that you want to hear in the podcast, you can find us on Facebook. Just search for Screeners Podcast. Or you can email us at ScreenersCast at gmail.com. Let's get into the episode. Okay, at the time of this recording, it is the day after Super Bowl 50. And for many Super Bowl viewers, the highlight of the evening is not so much the football game, but the ads. I know one of the things at our annual Super Bowl party that we look forward to are watching the commercials and trying to decide which ones we like the best, which were funny, which were misses. And so I thought before we got too deep into the Oscars in our main event tonight, we would just go around the horn very quickly and talk about the standouts from this year's Super Bowl from a commercial standpoint, if there were any. All right, Chris, did any of the ads stick out to you? Uh, yes, literally. So we were with a group of people that were not really paying attention at all to the television screen, but we were just hanging out. And every once in a while, when the game would go away and the ads would come on, it'd get a little bit quieter in the room. And I can remember distinctly that we were watching the game, it went to commercial break, and then this Doritos commercial came on, and it was the most disgusting thing I'd ever seen. It was hilarious at the same time. But do you guys remember this? This woman who's about who's getting an ultrasound um, yes. for her baby. <laughs> Yes. The dad is like moving a Doritos chip and the, the baby's like following where the Doritos chips go. And then the mom grabs the Dorito chip and throws it. And then, of course, the baby, to its logical conclusion, goes after the Dorito chip. Uh, it was uh, it was funny. It was disgusting. And Beautiful. it was all the things that like catch your attention for like a quick. All the other ones just seem to like, you know, get drowned in the noise. And I'm sure there were some moving ones and blah, blah, blah. But this one definitely was eye-catching uh and so that would be the one that has stuck out literally to me the most thank you beautiful thank you okay okay i don't know that i don't think we can leave that one probably without mentioning too the that was the most controversial ad of the night no (laughs) it was are you serious no about i've heard about other controversial ones but i haven't heard that one being controversial no are you being serious that's the yeah. only one I've heard about being controversial. No, so there was the the NARAL, which is a pro-choice organization, tweeted right after that, and I'll, I'm quoting here, uh, hashtag not buying it, that Doritos ad using anti-choice tactic of humanizing fetuses. Oh, my se- God. Let me finish. And sexist tropes of dads as clueless and moms as uptight, hashtag SB50. And so that obviously <laughs> turned into a massive... Twitter <laughs> war. Now, that's what made it controversial, not the right. ad. Not that, the ad that, itself. Yes, yeah, not absolutely. The ad itself, that so. ad, I think, was just silly and stupid and funny, but I think, absolutely, if somebody does something like that, then, of course, it's going to draw attention. I understand that. But the ad itself, I don't feel, I mean, it was just 
it was really just kind of crazy. Yeah, I think the point is, is the ad was just silly and fun. And then this organization, which takes themselves obviously very seriously, very seriously, um, tried to make it into something. Okay, let's go to Josh. Josh, did you have any ads that stuck out or any that you thought were particularly bad? Monkey puppy, baby, monkey puppy, baby, monkey puppy, baby. That's the only one. That's like the only one. The rest of the Super Bowl was terrible. What and was I, that selling? I don't even. I remember seeing that. No, Dew. the the worst thing possible. Like a mixture of uh, the poison of Mountain Dew <laughs> plus juice plus caffeine. It, just add some beer in there, oh. and you've got a perfect storm. Like, they know their audience, man. They, they know do. Their, their audience. audience. That's true. Is that really what it is? Yes. Yeah. Mountain yeah. Dew juice and uh, you know, like energy drink or something. It's three awesome things in one, Chris. Yeah. Didn't you three see the awesome things like a monkey, a puppy, and a baby? Weren't you watching? <laughs> it was. Not, I really wasn't. I just I saw it out of the corner of my eye and thought it was like an abomination, so I turned away. So it was an abomination. The fact that that is the Super Bowl's funniest ad kind of speaks volumes about the general quality. Super Bowl you, ads used to be good. I thought the Doritos commercial was funnier than that. Yeah, oh, I, no, come doubt, on. no doubt. Doritos was okay, but Monkey no, Puppy Baby is catchy. I think the I think the Doritos commercial was funnier, but that one was more memorable <laughs> because and I, it so sears that image into your brain. And the, the yeah. funny thing is, I'm Brandon, my brother, and I we were sitting around. We we're like, if we were in a room locked away with with a few other select people, some of which are on this podcast, trying to come up with ideas. The Doritos one and the and that <laughs> one is is the kind of stuff we would come up with. So I think I think Josh is right though. Although last year I thought there were several really great commercials, not necessarily funny, but impactful. And this year I it was horrible. I don't I can't remember a single one except for those two that were really worth much of anything. What about you, Daniel? What what was your take? Yeah, the Doritos one is the only one that stuck out to me. Uh, also, uh, I guess now we can uh, very easily and conveniently get a mortgage just by touching one button on our phone. So that one stuck out to me, the Rocket Mortgage. Do you guys see that one? Rocket Loan, Rocket oh, yeah. Mortgage, something like that? A couple of them. No. Uh, so, you yeah, should probably so try that, Daniel. Maybe you would like the big short. That's true. That's true. No, actually, because that, that's the kind of mortgage that got us into that. <laughs> Wait a minute, exactly. is this an actual? What is it? What, I don't understand. It what is, are you it's, describing? Don't, it's like Lending Tree, but for mortgages, and you just tap a button, and they give you a mortgage. I'm sure it's exactly what? as complicated as that. It's the Bernie right. Sanders plan. It's mortgages for everybody. Hey, oh, <laughs> basically, the whole, the whole point. Of, <laughs> That'll whole, make the podcast. Oh, it will make the, the podcast. The will make the podcast. Wait a minute. Hang on just a second. You're telling me that there's a thing where you push a button and you get a mortgage? Yes, Chris. Search That's... the app store for Rocket Mortgage. Now the ad has brought in one more. <laughs> oh like that was the whole point the of the mortgage. ad. The whole point of the ad was, look at how easy it is. I'm playing with my child and fast and click a button. Yeah. Fast forward five years, we're going to be watching a movie or ten yep. years. We're watching a movie where a stripper is going to be telling a some sort of a financial guru that, yeah, I just ordered like five rocket mortgages and I was good to go. I saw a bunch of people like I follow Steve Carell on Twitter and he was he went on multiple tweets saying and comparing it to the big short and saying oh, I'm disappointed. Man. It's hilarious. Well, it looks but like the, the looks like the ad did its job. We just talked yeah. about it. Exactly. And I then never also, heard, I don't even I, I don't even see it on any of these lists that I'm even looking at right now. So, well, cause it was it was a terrible commercial. It wasn't even good. <laughs> okay. Just, yeah. No. I also take back what I said earlier about Mountain Dew uh, knowing their audience because actually some dude was probably watching that and tripping balls, and then this puppy monkey baby comes on the screen and they just started freaking out and didn't even get to the Mountain Dew part of the ad. So I also take that back. There's a terrible. They will never drink Mountain Dew again. Exactly. Guy, at least. 
you can never take that back, Daniel. It's, it, is, <laughs> it is there forever. What about you, Melody? Was there anything that stuck out to you? Well, here's my experience of the Super Bowl this year. We were at a party. I was hanging with the ladies in the other room because I really don't care. I sauntered in to check out the game at a certain time and saw this crazy baby monkey thing dancing around on the screen. Got really freaked out and left again. So that's really the only one I remember until I came back in the room a little bit later just to see what was going on. And what did I see on the screen? But the trailer for the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film, yes. which was highly embarrassing. And what was way more embarrassing was the fact that my own husband was standing there doing what he just did. Oh, yes. I'm so excited. Looks this so looks good. great. Oh, and I'm just so like, oh, my gosh. And I left again. And that's really all I saw. Oh, so guys. It looks sorry it. you had to experience that, Melanie. Thank you. Thank you. That sounds Appreciate like a success. That's what I sh- I totally forgot to look at like the movie trailers. The X Men Apocalypse trailer oh, was dude, awesome. Come I on. Totally, yeah, I totally forgot. Jason Bourne. That yes. was a nice surprise. That was a yeah. good surprise. That was a great trailer or teaser or whatever. Yeah. And My wife was like, is is that the right one? Is that the right Jason Bourne? Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> but oh, he looks old now. Oh. That's what happens. Well, that that actually was what I was going to say is that the the one that stuck out to me was the Jason Bourne teaser. Uh, I thought that was that was really very good, but as I'm scrolling through the list just trying to jog my memory, it really is remarkable how many horrible commercials there were this year. I mean, just right down the line from the Buick wedding commercial, you had Key and Peel for Squarespace, who are normally pretty funny, absolutely not funny. You had the I don't got do you guys remember the apartments.com uh, one where you had eh, you had eh. uh, Jeff Goldblum playing the piano Full and it, on musical number. Oh, it was it, it was rough. It was it was a rough year. Uh, the Pokemon commercial, Taco what Bell. What the heck was that? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think this absurd thing has happened where people are like trying to like the monkey baby dog thing where people are just trying to be so out there that it sticks out. But uh, that only works if it's really funny and there well, was wasn't a lot of that this year for the record and didn't they say this during the game that doritos has like been letting fans write their ads for the last 10 years they host uh idea submissions and then they produce them correct they totally do that well it's been a contest where if you if you want it's like you you submit it and then if you win the ad meter then you get a million dollars if not it's like a hundred thousand or something but yeah that's they've been crowdsourcing ideas for a while uh, and I did the Let's second do Doritos commercial wasn't as funny. The one with the dogs going into the supermarket. You guys remember that one at all? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So wah, I think, wah. yeah, I think overall, wah, wah, wah was our, uh, our take on the ads this year. So maybe it'll get better next year. Well, so. I will say that, uh, Jason Schwartzman offering to sack Dan Marino for Alec Baldwin was the high point of that ad. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the people at my house also really liked the Heinz commercial with the wiener dogs and hot dogs <laughs> yeah, running. I'll, I'll admit, I, I chuckled at that. That was pretty cute. But, Especially because uh, my toddler loves hot dogs. <laughs> well, there you go. Number two. All right. As I've mentioned many times on this podcast, I am all about the Oscars. That is my expertise. I am quite excited about the upcoming awards. And there's obviously a lot of controversy around the Oscars this year and last year. And so we'll touch on that in a little bit. But now this is my first Oscars as a screener. And I've sort of heard little bits and pieces of your guys' opinions on the Oscars here and there. But I wanted to go around and officially get everyone's opinions. What do you guys think of the Oscars Let's start with Josh. Josh, I'm sure you love the Oscars. Tell me how much you love them. Yeah, let's just get it out of the way right up front. <laughs> I see what's happening here. Yeah, 
the I mean, it feels it feels a little disingenuous for me to single out the Oscars because this is how I feel about every award show and most major cultural events. Let's all just pat ourselves on the back for being great, it, especially in the entertainment industry. It's you've got a bunch of people who are paid very well to do what they do, and they're all gathered in one place so we can talk about how great they are because their paychecks don't validate them enough. And I think it's all a big farce and why do we do it the end well that is certainly an opinion from josh all right Uh, (laughs) chris uh bring it up here what do you think yeah i mean i think it's an interesting show obviously it very rarely is my my personal opinion i feel like there's a lot that every single year gets unnoticed and i feel like you know there's definite biases and we'll get into their biases here in a little bit but you know it's just it's an interesting show and it is exactly what josh described i enjoy it a little bit more and embrace it more than he does but you know it is just just for entertainment value just like the movies that they're celebrating it's just another reason to celebrate the movies and so i i like it for that i i enjoy it much more when i'm with a group of people i don't think i'd watch the oscars alone probably just you know switch over and watch something more interesting and then come back and look at the uh, the actual winners and you know complain about it but if I'm with a group of people and I'm at an Oscar party I find it enjoyable and if not there's not really anything else other than just entertainment value for that all right so over to uh, Melody do you feel the same as Chris yeah I'm pretty much feel the same I I enjoy watching the show we usually watch it every year and it's interesting to see all of the all of the actors doing their thing. I don't really put too much stock in the winners of things, but it's an interesting show. That's all I got. All right, fair enough. Okay, Chad, any different? I love the Oscars. I love the ex- thank you. I love the thank experience you. of watching the Oscars. We always have an Oscar party and do stuff. Now, don't mistake that for me thinking that it has any kind of cultural significance or that it's accurate or that it's anything other than. Wait a minute. You would say the Oscars doesn't have cultural significance? No, it doesn't have cultural impact. I mean, the day after the Oscar, yeah, it may make a difference in box office. It may make an actor get another job or two, but does it really make a difference in the world? No, not at all. Not at all. But it is culturally significant in that people watch it in as much as the Super Bowl is culturally significant. It's just a thing that people watch. But does it really do much of anything other than move the needle financially for some people? Probably not. But that's not the point. I enjoy it very much. Just the spectacle of the evening. And I film is a passion of mine. So seeing anything that has to do with the making of film and celebrating film... I'm going to I'm going to enjoy. I historically disagree with the Oscars quite a bit because often they'll take social items and promote them as opposed to picking what I think is a better film, but that is what it is. Overall, uh yeah, I enjoy it. I watch it. I definitely would watch it alone unlike Chris. I think it's I think it's entertaining. Now I say that now and then every year at about hour 3, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, when is this going to end?" <laughs> but um but for the most part, I I enjoy it very much. All right. Well, obviously, I I disagree from most of you guys. I I like it a lot more. I think if you look at the Oscars for what it truly is, which is one group's opinion, you like a lot more than uh, than thinking, oh, these people are declaring one thing is objectively the best thing of the year. No, it's just one group's opinion, and um, you take it for what it is. I think you can uh, bring a lot of incredible films uh, to light that wouldn't normally get a lot of recognition, like Room, for instance. 
It did terrible at the box office, horrible, even though it got great reviews, rave reviews, made about no money. But now it got Oscar nominations and suddenly people are going to see it. Uh, and so for that, that reason alone, I'm, a, a, I'm passionate about the Oscars uh, because, I, because I follow the Oscars, I see films that I otherwise wouldn't, despite great reviews. So I think it's a very, very valuable thing. Otherwise, I think films would be reduced to box office numbers. But now we place value on, uh, on art and critical acclaim as opposed to special effects. So that's, that's why I like the Oscars. That's why I follow them, because uh, they bring a lot of great movies to light. But, you know, not everybody feels the same way. There are obviously a lot of problems with the Oscars. Uh, as we said earlier, there's certainly some controversy, namely the Oscars So White controversy this year. Um, for the second year in a row, no people of color were nominated in, in any of the acting categories. And uh, so lots of people are understandably outraged at that, and some people are boycotting the awards as well. So what do you guys think? Have you heard of this? Uh, is is the boycott valid? Uh, I, we'll go back to Josh. What do you think? I definitely have heard of it, and I I feel like... SNL did a pretty good send up of it. Um, it must have been a couple months ago by now. They did a a sketch where they they went over the main nominees and kind of did parody versions of all the films. And there was just a terrific <laughs> uh, black performance, and then a white guy next to him saying one line, and they cut to him being nominated and everyone around him clapping. And their black co-star just kind of staring at him, and I thought it was pretty funny overall. Um, I, as far as my comment on the issue, I am so white, so I don't have, <laughs> I don't have a lot of standing here. But I do think that it's, uh, it's a little ludicrous. Like we have some terrific performances all across the spectrum this year, and I'm wondering, you guys who follow it a little more closely. If you think that what Chad said up front, if some of these uh, social issue pieces have crowded out some of the great minority performances um, because they are Oscar bait, and I guess we can get to the specifics later, but I, I kind of wonder if, if uh, that has something to do with it this year. Well, I'll get to my thoughts on that in a minute, I guess, as someone who follows it. Uh, Chris, what do you think uh, on the subject? Yeah, I mean, just like Josh just said, like this, we are all white, uh, and so I feel so strange Speak having for to. Yourself. I know, right? <laughs> um, it, it just feels. I, I feel like there are a lot of great minority performances across the board, and movies has just got. Compl- and this is probably snubs that we're going to talk about later, but stuff like Beasts of No Nation, movies that just seem to have. Uh, that impact. Even I didn't actually see it, but um, like Straight Out of Compton, I heard was uh, quite a good movie and should have probably been nominated for more than it was. And so it does seem strange. And I think if the the issue is valid that if you've got a group of made up pri- primarily of you know white older men, their tastes in film are going to be different. Than if you were able to inject some uh, some 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 other folks in there, right? Uh, and so I think that's the main problem: is that if if you're primarily a white group of folks judging things, you're going to come back with a biased opinion. And I think that's what's happening here. And I think the Oscars solution to try and change that and to limit the amount of time that somebody can vote um, is actually a good, a good thing for them and for the organization and for the representation of people who are going to win awards. But just like I said before, the Oscars aren't really all that 
incredible uh, to me. Like, I don't feel like the Oscars are like, but at the same time, if they're going to nominate and give time, they should give time to people who are all deserving, not just uh, the primor- primarily white uh, viewpoint. Okay. I, don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but <laughs> that's kind of where I'm coming from. No, I get, I get what you're saying. Melody, do you have any anything else to add? I think I think you guys have probably said it. <laughs> uh, my personal opinion, like I, I get why it's an issue. I completely get why it's an issue, and I certainly want to be respectful of the issue. I also think that the best performances should be nominated. So I don't know what all goes into nominating them. I don't necessarily think race should go into nominating them. Okay, understandable, understandable. Chad, as someone who follows the Oscars a little more closely, what do you think? Yeah, so I have number one boycotting anything almost never does anything there's no (laughs) nothing good comes from that so i think that whole thing is ridiculous number two i think that i do think the academy's changes as far as doubling promising and by i believe 2020 was what they said they would double the amount of minorities and women and then also putting in a clause that said the the regardless of you couldn't be grandfathered in as an Academy voter if you were no longer active. And then they define active in the Hollywood system as having produced something within a certain number of years or been involved. I think all of those things are good. The thing that I don't like about that, however, is that, in my opinion, the subtext there is exactly what Melody was hinting at, is we're going to encourage you to select uh, nominees based on the fact that they are minority as opposed to what is the best performance. Now, again, this is super muddy and complicated because what is best mean? And I think this year in particular, there, and when we get specifically into the snubs, there are four or five performances that featured minorities that I, it blows my mind that they weren't nominated. So there's obviously a problem there. And Chris hit it right on the head that it's because the demographic makeup of the Academy is such that you vote what you know. Uh, so I do think that the idea of, of trying to get more inclusive with the Academy is great, but I just cannot stomach the idea that next year it's going to, we have a, a flood of different nominees that aren't necessarily, you know, the best choices. So it's, it, but it's difficult. I understand that it's, it's hard to, it's hard to walk that line. Uh, but this, you know, this overreacting outrage, people caring about the Oscars this much is crazy. I mean, they should care about other things. <laughs> right. They should care about other things. But well, you're right. They're going to overcompensate like crazy next they, year. They, right? they, I, they really yeah. are. And yeah. that's, what, I heard, that's my biggest fear. I heard somebody saying like, hey, listen, if you want to win an Oscar right now, you should, you know, start writing something that has, you know, a lot of minorities in it and like really like try and get that out there and Oscar bait it to death. And I think a lot of companies are going to start doing that. I think well, you're going to see that movie's well, September, that movie's October, November. Yeah, I can tell you right out. now, that movie, yep, right. It's, it's birth of a nation. There's no yep, doubt. Exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. Yep. But There's uh, a but, reason that movie set our Sundance record for sales. It's because that they, that is going to win Best Picture. This well, and you know what? Yeah. It may be incredible. So that's yeah, absolutely. Hey, absolutely. But see, that, that's the thing. Like, if, if, if it creates, like we're saying, if it creates a, a place where suddenly – uh, people are colorblind and choosing the best things. But I think, like I said, like for the next few years, they're going to overcompensate. And by 2020, I'm hoping that the pool of people who are voting are so diverse that we'll actually begin to see what we really want to see, which is the best win. Yeah. Uh, you know, rather than it just being, well, this year we have to make sure right. that we have this and ratio, which I, is not a good thing. I agree. But I mean, and the, the Academy does have a history of 
you know, just use last year as an example, the director of Selma not being nominated is mm-hmm. one of the great travesties because Selma yeah. was a masterpiece. But anyway, so that's, but, you know, it is what it is. So, Daniel, what do you think, Mr. Uh, Mr. Oscar Mann? Well, yeah, that's that's sort of the thing. Like, as someone who follows this, I've, I follow the Oscars way more than should be normal for any human being. I'm way far in advance. And I knew this would happen for months. For months, I have known that no, and, and others, uh, have known that there is not a minority who would be nominated. I mean, that that's just, it, it was, we saw it in the stars. And the reason is, there, Hollywood is not making an, enough good movies that feature minorities. It's not a lack of talent. It's a lack of, of funding. Um, and that is not a, an Academy issue. Uh, it's, it's a Hollywood issue. Um, there are many, many incredible actors, uh, people of color who are, who are actors. But uh, as far as snubs, I mean, I only see one snub. One uh, uh, this well, year. Well, then let's wait till we get into that because I see a lot we'll, more than that. We'll, we'll get into that. But, but uh, you know, I defy you. I do not think any of the five people you mentioned, uh, you, you said you have thought of, Chad, I don't think one of them would be a black woman. Uh, lead, right? Because that's true. There just there just weren't any. There just weren't any, and and that's that's absolutely not to say there aren't incredibly talented black actresses because there are, but there aren't movies being made for them. Uh, and I think there are plenty of stories that could be told for them, uh, but they're just not being made. And so that problem is with Hollywood. It is not with the Academy. And so I think there there certainly I think that the changes the Academy is making are great. Absolutely, I think that's great that they're um, wanting to be more inclusive and and uh, and term limit or voting limits. I think that's great. I think that's a fantastic thing, and and hopefully it does balance out the scales a little bit. But but the the main problem here is Hollywood not making enough quality films with minorities. Uh, and so I think the anger here is very valid. I think the problem is very valid, but I think it's all misdirected at the Academy for sure. So, so uh, don't mess with your academy, Daniel. Yeah, I was going to say, I, yeah, I, I, I think I think you, you may have to put the blame on, on in both places, but yes, okay, all right. But, that, I, I but that's kinda... what I'm saying. You know, can, if you can name me a black actress who deserved to be nominated, then then we'll talk about snubs. But you can't because there weren't any this year, and so that's well, that's where the problem lies. Well, chicken and egg, man. I mean, who uh, who decides what movies Hollywood should make? Hollywood decides based on box office and based on Certainly. awards buzz. So, yeah, I, I totally, you're totally right about that. Uh, but I think awards, but in terms of money, uh, awards, awards buzz, buzz is so far to money. It, yeah. It's so far down there. Box office is awards a thing. buzz generates you say, money, you say, you though say, not as much as tentpole for lead actress. Is that who you're saying who should have yeah. been? Yeah. Um, supporting, you could make a case, maybe, maybe, uh, but you know, there's just very few, and not that, that's not at all that there aren't talented black actresses, but, but anyway, we've we've dwelled well, on this enough. I think we're also talking about minorities too. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, not just black. Yeah, oh, totally, oh, yeah. totally, totally. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, but uh, but the same but anyway. pro- the same issue is there. So you're, I see what you're saying. Yeah, my yeah. point stands. Yeah. But anyway, um, I mean, I think that one category stands, but I think the rest of them, there are some really great. Options, just just of some that I I can think of, and we'll talk off the top about of that. my head. Yeah, we'll talk yeah. about that. Later. We'll talk about that. Let's. We're all going to go ahead and make our final Oscar predictions because obviously we've proven that Oscars are really valuable. I think that's been proven here today. <laughs> um, so, uh, so we're all going to go ahead and let's let's all uh, just we're going to go through the acting categories, director and picture, and we'll we'll pick who we think is going to win and uh, who we think should win out of the nominees, and then if there are any, uh, who we think should have been nominated here. 
And since I'm clearly going to be right about all of these, um, yes. I'll go ahead and go last. You're going to recuse judge, <laughs> judge, judge, jury, and executioner for these. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so let's go back and start with Josh. So, best supporting actress: we have Jennifer Jason Leigh for The Hateful Eight, Rooney Mara for Carol, Rachel McAdams for Spotlight, Alicia Vikander for The Danish Girl, and Kate Winslet for Steve Jobs. Josh, who do you think is going to win? Well, I have seen a grand total of two of those movies. <laughs> I'm going to guess Rooney Mara on this one because Carol is uh, pure Oscar bait, and that's why it has also a leading actress nomination. Um, so, yeah, Rooney Mara, she'll win. Um, okay. Should win. I'll just go ahead and pick one of the movies I have seen and go with Rachel McAdams. Okay. She was good in Spotlight. Awesome. And then out of the many, many movies you've seen, anybody snubbed here? (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. Were there any supporting actresses in the other movies I've seen this year? (laughs) No, I can't think of any. All right, we'll move on to Chris. Chris, who is going to win? I'm going to say Kate Winslet will win for Steve Jobs, and I think she probably should win. Um, I think she was really great in that that role. So I, I enjoyed that performance, and uh, I think she should get an Oscar. And, of course, I think the reason why they'll give it to her is because the the Oscars love her. <laughs> Kate Winslet's uh, uh, a name. You know what I mean? Right, right. Well, I, okay. compl- I completely blanked there for a minute on what Kate Winslet's role actually was in Steve Jobs. No, you, right. yeah, tra- she should win. Can't retro- She's awesome. your pick now, Josh. You're she, in. She oh, was, I, I just did. She was genuinely great was in great. Steve Jobs. Yeah. I don't know why I was thinking his daughter. I don't even know who that was. <laughs> it really made an impact on you, didn't it, Josh? It did. really did. <laughs> Any snubs, Chris? I, no, not that I can really think of uh, off the top of my head. There's nothing that I felt outraged about uh, as far as this particular category. So maybe it'll come to me later. But at this point in time, nothing, nothing specific. All right, Melody, who's it going to be? I mean, I would... If I were voting, I would definitely vote for Kate Winslet. Like they said, I think she was completely incredible. I literally didn't even know it was her for like half of the movie. However, <laughs> you guys said I was turning into Josh. He's seen two of the movies on this list. I've only seen one. So yes, Melody. This is a sad state of affairs. Uh, so I really can't speak to any of the other ones. But yeah, I, I hope it's Kate. It'll probably be, according to the, these critic uh, polls that I'm looking at it's going to be the Danish girl but who knows <laughs> okay a confidence okay <laughs> uh, Chad who is it going to be well I've seen all five of these movies I, it, who, I, who I think should win is Jennifer Jason Lee from The Hateful Eight who I think will win is Jennifer Jason Lee from The Hateful Eight she was it was un- you talk about not recognizing someone and going for it. You know, they often say that the Oscars are not the best actor, but the most acting. And uh, she definitely fits that bill. The one that I don't really think there's anybody that's snubbed uh, in in this one. Uh, I can't think of anybody else that I would replace in there. So that's that's what I think. All right, I've also seen all five movies and. Who is going to win? Alicia Vikander for The Danish Girl. Boo. Uh, uh, well, yeah, I agree. Uh, boo. That's terrible. But she's going to win. Uh, and then who should win? I believe Kate Winslet. I think she, you guys said it. She's She was excellent in that movie. But uh, she's not going to. And uh, <laughs> uh, I think the only snub here uh, was uh, Elisa Vikander for Ex Machina. Uh, I think she got very close to being nominated but then canceled herself out here. And so, yeah, that's the only snub. 
Uh, and you talk okay. about Oscar bait. The Danish Girls, the worst Oscar bait film yeah, in the oh, history true. of, and it's not yeah. a good movie. I mean, it's on not, top of all of that, it's really not good. It makes it's me, not. It's so it's so not good. It makes me angry that it's nominated for anything. But <laughs> whatever. Yep. yep. Yes. Yeah, I sort of agree. All right, uh, so let's move on. We'll go to supporting actor Josh. The nominees are Christian Bale for The Big Short, Tom Hardy for The Revenant. Mark Ruffalo for Spotlight, Mark Rylance, Bridge of Spies, and Sylvester Stallone for Creed. Josh, who is going to win? Oh man, who is going to win out of I I'm going to I'm going to say the Academy's going to go back and for some reason vote for Sylvester Stallone. Yo Adrian. <laughs> yep. <laughs> for exactly that reason. They're like, "Oh, I remember the 70s." <laughs> yes, that's why they'll do it. I remember Jeez. the 70s. <laughs> Well, they could vote for The Revenant because they all remember the 1870s, but that's a different story. <laughs> oh, uh, that's true. <laughs> who should win is Christian Bale because he was Ooh. fantastic in that role in oh, the big wow. short. Okay. All right, I mean, then. Tom Hardy spoke more than two sentences, presumably, in The Revenant, so I guess maybe he's, he's, he wins most improved from Mad <laughs> Max. But, and Mark Ruffalo was great, too, but Christian Bale was really good in the big short. All right, and any any snubs here? I have given this zero thought. No. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> nice. Okay, then. All right, Chris, who's going to win? I'm. Who's going to win? It's going to win. Um, I will say Sylvester Stallone will win for Creed um, because everybody wants that to happen, apparently. Uh, and who should win? Um, uh, I think Oscar Isaac should win uh, for Ex Machina, but unfortunately <laughs> wasn't nominated. <laughs> Okay. You don't even like that movie. You're not allowed to say good things about it. No, no, no. no. Hang, on, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. No, I didn't say I didn't like it. I just said I didn't like yeah, it as much did. as everybody else did. But I think Oscar Isaac's performance in that is spectacular. Also, he would be a person, a minority uh, as well. If he would have been nominated in that, which he should have been. Um, but I think he was deserving of it. I think the film seemingly should be Oscar bait. <laughs> so anyway. So Oscar, there are five so people here. Who should he push snub. out? Uh, Christian Bale. I, I feel like Christian. Yes. Bale, yes. I feel like Christian Bale was um, so uns- like if you go back and watch that performance, and I because I've heard several people talk about it ever since it bothered me. He was so quirky, and also his 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 character and mannerism stuff seemed to change so much throughout the entire film. I thought it was a very um, just uh, not. Um, a committed performance. It seemed a little flip floppy, if that makes sense to me. Interesting. Yeah, but you know, again, like I, I, they're all good, they're fine, but I feel like Oscar Isaac should be in that list. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I didn't expect that one. All right, Melody, who's going to win? I think clearly it will be Sylvester Stallone, which good for him. That's lovely. <laughs> Okay, I really liked Mark Rylance in Bridge of Spies. I just oh, yeah. thought his character was, was extremely compelling. Yeah, so if I were just going to have the one I wanted to win, that's who I would probably vote for. Although I did think Christian Bale was awesome. Chris, I don't know what you're talking about because when we came out of that movie, you were like raving about how wonderful he was, but apparently you've changed your tune. Oh, snap. He saw the light. He saw the light. <laughs> apparently. No, that is not at all what I said. No, it is not. Pretty sure you were raving. Exactly. I leaned over to you midway through the movie and said how much I was liking him. He, he was. I, it surprised me how different it was than what he is normally played. But then most, the rest of the film, I got very confused with, like I said, how inconsistent his character seemed. Mm. Um, 
That's all. Now, I mean, now's a fine time for you to be saying this. I just want to anyway. Just said. <laughs> all right, so we'll I'm deal with that later. I'm glad Lance is nominated. <laughs> all right, Chad, moving on. Who are you saying is going to win? Sylvester Stallone will win, and Sylvester Stallone should win. I and not I don't mean just here in the screeners. It's a little frustrating because I've heard it constantly referred to as a lifetime achievement award, and that's there is definitely an element of truth there. But Sylvester Stallone was fantastic in Creed. He embodied so many different kinds of emotions, and it was just just absolutely wonderful. Now, that said, as far as Mark Rylance was, if I had to pick a number two, there's no doubt it'd be Mark Rylance. But as far as snubs, there are two clear snubs, in my opinion, in this category. Mm -hmm. One is Idris Elba from Beasts of No Nation should have been in there. He could easily replace Christian Bale, who I hated in The Big Short. He was my least favorite character. He could also replace Tom Hardy in The Revenant. And I'd leave the other three in there. Also, too, I don't know if this would be for actor or supporting actor, but would Tremblay, Jacob Tremblay, would he be supporting actor? He was campaigning, or they were campaigning him as supporting actor. Okay, even so though that's even though that's bullcrap. Well, okay, so in, <laughs> I, I had him down as supporting actor too. Slam dunk, the biggest snub of the entire Oscars is Jacob Tremblay not being nominated. I don't yep. care that he's nine years old. It's the single greatest acting performance that I I can remember in years. It was unbelievable he should have been nominated in this category for sure but he's not so uh, sylvester stallone it is for me i agree with literally everything chad said sylvester stallone is going to win uh and he should win out of out of these five uh but i had uh, edris alba down as as a big snub for sure and you know he won the sag award he's the first person in history uh, of the of the I think it's 60 some odd years of the Screen Actors Guild to win a SAG without being nominated for the Oscar. So that's pretty crazy. Oscar's but, so uh, white. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the one I was talking about before. That's the one I can think of. But uh, Jacob Tremblay, yeah, I agree. Exactly what, what Chad just said. Best performance of the year without a doubt out of any category, any anybody at all. So, uh, all right, moving on to Best Actress. The nominees are Kate Blanchett and Carol. Brie Larson in Room, Jennifer Lawrence in Joy, Charlotte Rampling in 45 Years, and Saoirse Ronan in Brooklyn. Josh, who's it going to be? Beanie, Meanie, Meanie, <laughs> <laughs> Ronan. Have you seen any of these movies? That's a negative. All right. There you go. <laughs> and anybody you think should have been nominated here? Nope. Oh, there you go. Okay, nope. great. Nope. Right. Chris, have you seen any of these movies? I haven't actually. No, um, I, I I keep I want to see them, but I haven't. Well, two of them, anyways. I really want to see Room and Brooklyn. I've heard great things about. Yep. Um, but uh, I, you know, I have a feeling that uh, Brie Larson will win for Room. I hope she will. Anyway, I've heard that she's was spectacular in that. But I think Charlize Theron should have been nominated for Mad Max Fury Road because she's awesome in that movie and i cannot I, it blows my mind that she wasn't at least nominated uh for uh, for best actress interesting i think josh's head is exploding as we speak mm-hmm. yep With I, sorry. I gave up on chris several years <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah all right melody your thoughts uh sadly i have seen none of these movies either but i feel quite confident that brie larson is going to take the win on this one after my research about it uh so good for her (laughs) probably right but i disagree with chris i don't really think that Charlize theron was really snubbed i i I loved that movie as we all know but i didn't think she was particularly amazing in it so i don't feel like she was she was fine 
she you is just that like the character. It uh, wasn't it wasn't a spectacular performance. performance. Oh, I yeah. totally disagree. In every, on every she, level, she was not the magic in that film. She was great. She was great, but she, I don't think she was the magic in that film. So, so anyway, to that's disagree. what I have. Magic I like in that this. film was the drugs being. Oh, in you all you stop theaters. it! You're not allowed to talk about it anymore. All right, yeah, uh, Melody, you're wrong. All right, so Chad, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Chad, have you? How many of these movies have you seen? I've seen all of them except for 45 Years, which is on definitely on my list. And I have been a fan of Brie Larson ever since Short Term 12, a movie that I championed yes. on the old screeners. Uh, and so I think she will win, and I definitely think she should win. Uh, I don't really feel strongly about Charlize Theron one way or the other, although I think you could easily knock out Jennifer Lawrence. I mean, she was fine. No doubt. She was fine in a, a very average movie, but it doesn't strike me as any better uh, than Theron would have been. So that, I think this, this category is a slam dunk for Brie Larson. It should be anyway. Once again, I agree with Chad. Yeah, Brie Larson has it sewn up completely. She's winning it, no doubt about it. And Jennifer Lawrence was terrible. The movie was terrible. It was just all around a letdown. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I think Charlize Theron could have gone there. Uh, I think Emily Blunt could have gone there for Sicario. Uh, either uh, one of those yeah. would be great. Yeah, but, uh, but, yeah, Brie Larson next to Jacob Tremblay. Brie Larson had my, beyond the shot of a doubt, had the next best performance of the year as well. So those are both just incredible performances. So I'm very glad that she'll be recognized for that. Okay, best actor. The nominees are Brian Cranston uh, for Trumbo, Matt Damon for The Martian, Leonardo DiCaprio for The Revenant, Michael Fassbender for Steve Jobs, and Eddie Redmayne for The Danish Girl. Boo. Josh. Yeah, I agree. Josh, who is going to win? Yeah, should I pick Oscar bait because it's Oscar bait? I think, I'll, I think I've also heard buzz for another movie that I want to see but haven't yet, and that is Brian Cranston for Trumbo. Um, let's say he takes this home as for okay. who should win. Um, I might say Matt Damon after I see the Martian for now. I'll just stick with Brian Cranston because oh, I man. like Brian Cranston. There you go. Oh, man. That's okay. Very well researched. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That was great. That was great. Chris, who's going to win? Very convincing. Uh, I have a feeling that Eddie Redmayne is going to win, but I would want Matt Damon to win uh, of those of those nominees. Um, I he was great. He was charming, funny. He made that movie. I don't think any other person, any other actor fitting into that role would have done quite the job that that Matt Damon did. So yeah, I, I would I would uh, definitely say that I think that they uh, that he should win, but he's not going to. It's too okay. popular. <laughs> And anybody who should have been here? Uh, no, not that I can really think of. I mean, I, I did enjoy Michael uh, B. Jordan in in Creed. I, I think he could definitely have replaced several of those folks. I didn't. I didn't see the Danish Girl. Um, Don't. Michael Fassbender's uh, performance in Steve Jobs was good. I'm not sure I would nominate him for best actor of the year michael b jordan could have fit in there uh, very well and i wouldn't have been offended okay melody what do you think i think dicaprio is going to take it can't speak to whether he should or not since i have yet to see the revenant i would love it if matt damon won because i think he was fantastic in the martian so but i'll be happy with dicaprio because he's a outstanding actor matt damon <laughs> all right and uh chad what do you think dicaprio is a slam dunk for this category he almost like killed himself to get this academy award i hope he enjoys it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but uh and and honestly of the 
of the people that are nominated, I think he should win. His performance is is really something to see. I can't say much for the movie as a whole, but his performance is really very good. I think I'll take it a step further than Chris did. I think Michael B. Jordan should have been nominated, another man of color, and he could have easily. Oh yeah, right. That's right. I didn't even think about that. Easily yeah, right. replaced Brian Cranston, Michael Fassbender, or Eddie Redmayne. With Fassbender being like the next one that I would have also nominated, but I agree with Chris. He wasn't wasn't that a remarkable performance? But Cranston and Eddie Redmayne's performance. Performances both. I just do not understand how they were nominated, and, and Michael B. Jordan's performance was much better uh, in that case. So, really, so Trumbo's not as good as I've heard. No, well, uh, it's not bad. It's, it's just it's not good. It's I, good. I enjoyed it. I yeah. enjoyed it quite a bit. It, it's it's definitely not like incredible, but I I disagree. I think Brian Cranston's performance was pretty great, though. Even though the movie's okay, mm. I thought his performance was great, but. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is going to absolutely win 100%. Uh, he, uh, he has the whole narrative about deserving an Oscar and, and killing himself and all that. That's all playing in his favor. <laughs> worked for Jeff Bridges a few years ago, worked for Julianne Moore last year, and it's, it's working here, the whole they deserve it thing. So uh, he's going to win it. And, but personally, I think Matt Damon had an amazing performance, uh, the blend of humor and drama and everything. I thought it was fantastic. So I wish... Yeah, exactly. So I wish he would win, uh, but he's not going to. And then I, I actually don't even think, I don't think Michael B. Jordan deserve it over any of these guys. Maybe Eddie Redmayne. Crazy. But uh, yeah, I can't really think of any real snubs here personally. All right, so uh, moving on from acting and going into directing. These, this is where things get a little less clear for who's going to win a lot of these categories. The nominees for Best Director are Adam McKay for The Big Short. George Miller, Mad Max, Fury Road, Alejandro G. Inurutu for The Revenant, Lenny Abrahamson for Room, and Tom McCarthy for Spotlight. Josh, what do you think? Uh, Mad Max, just say it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I I think he probably will take it. Um, Inurutu might, but they just did Inurutu last year, and so I'm thinking they won't repeat it back to back. Because this is a completely subjective thing, and that's going to be a bias in their mind. Um, I and I think George Miller only has a limited number of opportunities left. And so, yeah, he will take it for Mad Max. Who I would like to see, you know who I would like to see. I'd like to see Adam <laughs> McKay win it, but I don't know whether he's w- worthy of a directing award for this. I don't know. But the sure, I'd no, still like not. to see it happen. <laughs> yeah. We know, we know. Nice. All right, Chris, what do you think? I mean, I, definitely I think uh, Mad Max Free Road should take this. There's there's no doubt in my mind that that movie was almost all direction. I think Ridley Scott should have been nominated. Um, I think he did a really great job in uh, um, in The Martian. So uh, those are, of course, my two favorite films of the year. So that's, of course, what I would think. But I'm hoping that Mad Max takes it away. I, I think... It was fantastic. It really was. Master's master's class in direction. And Melody, do you agree? I do agree. I do. I I really hope George Miller gets it. I think if Mad Max gets any actual awards from the Academy, I hope it's for this category. But The Revenant could take it or, you know, whatever. I'm not sure. (laughs) Well, there's all those Oscars that no one gets to watch like this, the effects Oscars. It'll win some of those. 
the technical oh, yeah. awards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. Maybe cinematography. Is it nominated for cinematography? There are Oscars. It is nominated for cinematography, but it's not going to win it. Not going to win it. What's going to win it? The Revenant is most likely going to win it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 30 in a row for, for Shivo. But anyway, Chad, who do you think is going to win? I think, I think George Miller is going to win. I think he should win. But it, this is a coin toss between uh, The Revenant and Mad Max. I just hope it's not The Revenant because, again, the movie is just not very good. It's half of a good movie, but it's all about the showiness of, look, we're moving the camera. We're in the snow. A horse went over the side of a mountain. I mean, it's all – it's literally two and a half hours of that kind of drawing attention to itself, um, which, again – it, it the craftsmanship involved is really breathtaking, but the movie's just not that great. So I'm hoping that The Revenant will win cinematography, and that'll be enough to satiate the spreading of the love so that Miller does actually get it for Mad Max. Because of the nominated uh, films, I think he clearly deserves it. So that's where I am. All right. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 it's very not clear. I'm not confident on this category at all, uh, but I do think think it'll be Miller, uh, and exactly like Chad said, the Ingrid 2 will give him a run for his money. He just won the Director's Guild Award this past weekend, and uh, they line up very often, Director's Guild, with this category. And he's the first person in history to win two back-to-back Director's Guild Awards, so I don't know. It's uh, definitely going to give him a run for his money, but I'm settling on George Miller with uh, not that much confidence. And uh, I agree, Ridley Scott, it's a, it's a complete shame that he was snubbed here. That's really a big bummer. I'm I'm incredibly happy that Lenny Abrahamson snuck in for Room because so, that's totally yeah, so deserved. Let me ask you, though, because you and Chris both have brought that up. Who would you kick out? That's, I know who uh, you well, would kick out. Yeah, I would. Normal people. <laughs> normal people. I, I can't really speak too much because I haven't seen several of them or two or three of them on this in this category. Um, so I can't, unfortunately speak with total confidence who I would kick out. So I'm not going to answer that question. All I know is, is that I wish there could be six and that Ridley Scott could have got at least the nomination. I don't think he should have won. I mean, I've already said who I think should won. So for for me, like, you know, it doesn't matter all that much because I think George Miller should definitely win. Sure. But I think Ridley Scott's direction in the Martian with him and what Matt Damon did together that movie's fantastic. It really is. It is a great movie. It's a tough category for sure. I agree. And, I agree. And for me, obviously, you guys know I didn't like the big short, so that's my easy answer. But even even Spotlight. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's true. But even Spotlight, I loved Spotlight. I thought it was great. It made my, made my top 10 of the year. But um, as far as best director, I don't, I don't think it stands out uh, in direction. I, I know it's, it's a very restrained direction, and that's great. But uh, I, I could... I could the the performances you know directing getting the performances out of that ensemble is pretty that's 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 the feat there yeah true i mean it's definitely not badly directed by any means but um anyway Mm. uh let's move on to best picture here Mm. this is even less clear than best director this is actually uh, a really crazy split this year um this is not a normal year by any means usually by this point we sort of know who's gonna win there's usually like a general consensus but uh, actually for only the third time in this century uh the producers guild directors guild and screen actors guild have all gone to different films uh being the big short revenant and spotlight respectively so it's so, totally up in the air. Uh, so, that means Mad Max is going to win. That's the deal. It's it's like, uh, there's uh, this spread. The All right. Well, uh, Josh, the n- nominees for Best Picture are The Big Short, Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, Mad Max Fury Road, The Martian, The Revenant, 
room, and spotlight. Josh, what do you think it's going to be? Well, you said it was a three-way race among the Big Short, the Revenant, and Spotlight. I had, I had it as kind of a toss-up between for who will win between the Revenant and Bridge of Spies, actually, because never count Spielberg out. But he didn't win any of those other three awards, so given the politics of all of this, since it is a coin flip, like you say, let's go with the Revenant, even though I'm not necessarily thrilled about that. Um, as to my should win pick, everyone say it with me: the Big Short. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting quieter every time. <laughs> All right, and, and any anything you think should have been nominated? No, we've got eight nominees here. Come on, let's <laughs> let's cull the herd a little bit. How about right. Brooklyn shouldn't have been nominated? Oh, Brooklyn's uh, well, a wonderful movie. Yeah, you're completely wrong wonderful. there. But uh, anyway, cool. all right. Chris. <laughs> All right, Chris, what do you think? I mean, I think everybody knows what I'm going to say here. Mad Max Fury Road was the best movie of the year, period, bar none. Uh, I loved everything about it. So I think it should win uh, Best Picture. Which one will win? I don't know. I mean, throw spaghetti against a wall and see what sticks, I guess. I have a feeling it's going to be the big short, but we'll see. Um, we'll see what that is. Okay, and anything should have been here? Uh, no. I don't think so. I think these movies fairly well encapsulate, except, I mean, I haven't actually seen it, but I've heard that Beasts of No Nation was pretty great and could have been um, nominated. Um, but um, I, I don't think so. I think, uh, I think these movies were a good, a good mix. All right. Melody, what do you think? Yeah, it's like you guys have said. Uh, who, really, who really knows? We don't know. So I, we, we do an Oscar party every year, so we have to like, cast our votes because we take bet or not take we, we win a pot okay? you're gamblers the, the okay first, just say it you have a problem i mean i no i've won quite a bit of money over the last few <laughs> it's years true, you have you realize that's illegal <laughs> it's because she goes on the what? internet i see what you're doing there melody everyone goes she on does. the internet she you does. weirdo <laughs> anyway my my guess right now if i was placing money in the pot would be i don't know the big short because i liked it so there you go i don't think mad max yeah, will hey, win melody. I would like it. I don't even know if I really want Mad Max. I do want Mad Max to win, but I think it won't be that one. So I'm guessing the big short. No, you don't. Deep Maybe in your Spotlight. Heart, you know. <laughs> Deep in your heart. You know it to be true. No. Search your heart. I want it to win something. All right, Chad, give us certainty here. Who is going to win? There's no certainty, but I think what's going to win is Spotlight. What I think should win of the nominees would be Room. Of the eight nominees, yes. personally, Room is the best movie that's on that list as far as snubs no shock to anybody here but i think creed should have been nominated and i think it could have replaced the revenant bridge of spies or brooklyn uh with with no problem whatsoever by not even blinking uh but i also think cougar could have been directly you know i i just i am not a fan of the revenant that's just what it boils down to i think cougar could have been nominated for director and and replaced in your but anyway so that's 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 just you know that's just what it is the ridge of spies is a fine movie there's nothing remarkable about it the writing is good it's uh, tom hanks performance is good but it's just you know it's spielberg light it's not wonderful brooklyn is very flighty and romantic and beautiful and sweeping and wonderful but it's not a great film the revenant half of a good movie the other four are really outstanding with the room being the best of those so uh but i think spotlight will win but man make a case for creed nominated for best picture that's pretty 
Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. It's pretty weighty. And I totally considering agree with that it wasn't weight. that great. It was great. Sorry. It, it, it absolutely was great, and it totally should have been here. I, yeah, I don't know what. I, I guess yeah, I guess I would have lost Bridge of Spies. I'd be fine with that. I think Revenant was okay. Uh, oh, Brick Short, of course. That's what I would kick out first. But, oh my god! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, are you going to say Brick Short, or is that something? Yeah, I forget because everybody else loves it so much that it really it, it makes me so confused. But uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, this one I already said very confusing here. I'm not confident on it. I could totally see Spotlight taking it. I don't think Revenant's going to win. I really, really don't think that, even though it, it has a shot. But Spotlight could take it. But even though I don't like it very much, I do think the big short is going to win Best Picture. Uh, I think it's. Wow. I think I think people like it enough. I think it's sort of sort of important enough uh, to to take it this year. So I'm I'm definitely bummed about that because it'll be the first time I haven't liked a Best Picture in quite a long time. But I don't want it to uh, win. But if it crash? does, we are going to um, text bomb you and tweet you <laughs> and everything we can think of. Well, here's the thing. We're, I mean, we're we're clearly taking a bet, aren't we? We have to do this. We have to. Yeah, we should. We should do that. I don't know if we should do that on uh, on. Facebook and have everybody join us. Maybe we should have everybody uh, submit your. All right. Your, who's who's your shaving topics. Daniel's head first? Yes, <laughs> let's do this. Nope. If I remember correctly, the past two years, Chad and I have texted on Oscar night, and I have beat him in predictions. The past That's two not years true. Ago. I won I two years ago. You, you won did last not, year, but you cheated. You lie. You, you cheated. Lie. I did not cheat. That's bull crap. You did. You know you did. Daniel. How do you I cheat? How do you cheat? That's what I'm saying. How in the world do you? How cheat? do you? I don't even understand how I you cheat. The answers. I don't. I don't get it. There's no nobody knows who's gonna win. You, you fixed them a second after the announcement happened and pretended he did it before. Oh, uh, okay. That's bull Correct. Crap. That's absolute. Oh, <laughs> that's complete. Oh crap. no. Good this. this is. I'm. I'm. I'm way more obsessed in this than a normal person should. <laughs> that is true. All right. So the Oscars are going to be on February 28th, and uh, I cannot wait to see how right I am and how <laughs> wrong everybody else is. It's going to be great. So with that, we will move on to our main event. Welcome to the main event. All right. Our main event tonight is the Coen Brothers' latest comedy, Hail Caesar. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. How long since your last confession, my son? 27 hours. It's really too often. You're not that bad. Here at Capital Pictures, as you know, millions of people look to us for information and uplift and, yes, entertainment. And we're going to give it to them. And action. An army of technicians and actors and top-notch artistic people are working hard to bring to the screen our biggest release of the year. Hail Caesar is a prestige picture with one of the biggest stars in the world, Baird Whitlock. A truth we could see if we had but... If we have faith, faith, I'd like to know what the hell is going on here. Twenty million readers want the truth, Eddie. Truth, yes. Mm. Eddie, this is a drama, Mannix. A real drama, Mr. Mannix. I know it sounds screwy, but someone's calling from the future. Good lord. The IMDb description is uh, gloriously terse. It reads, A Hollywood fixer in the 1950s works to keep the studio stars in line. Which is about the most understated description of a movie I have seen um, in the past few years. But anyways, Hail Caesar has uh, 
gotten, shall we say, mixed reception. Um, it's the lowest grossing opening for a Coen Brothers movie ever. It came in like, I think it was second at the box office this weekend with a whopping $11 million. Ooh. It's getting in the, in the 70s in you know the Metacritic, Rotten Tomatoes stuff. I think the audience scores tend to be a little lower. But we are not the public. We are the screeners. So <laughs> it, there's a chance, there's a chance that our opinions might not mirror the popula- the, those of the populace. So let's start out with Melody. What did you think about Hail Caesar overall? Well, uh, <laughs> great start. <laughs> you know, I am not always a huge Coen Brothers fan, but I try, okay? And the That's last few ask. the last few that they've done, I've I have enjoyed and the trailer for this film looked, you know, it looks like it could be good. So I went in with a very open mind. I did not look at the Rotten Tomato score. My mind was open and I was ready to just be entertained. Just entertain me, nice people on the screen. However, I I have a distinct hatred for this film that I can't <laughs> really probably put into words. I don't I I don't it blows my mind that it has like eighty percent or whatever it has. I don't understand. I feel like I I literally just watched I, oh, there were moments of funniness, okay? But most of it was this ridiculous story with characters that I don't care about at all. Not one character, maybe one character I kind of care about a little bit. But the rest of them are completely like just caricatures that, that aren't even funny. Like, I get that they're caricatures. I don't get why I should care about them or why I want to see them or why I want to see them. I don't know. I guess we're not getting into spoilers really, but... I really disliked this film, and about the 10 minutes in, I looked over to Chris and just said, I'm bored out of my mind, which I was not expecting to be bored. Like, I was expecting maybe it to be strange or, like, weird humor, but I wasn't really expecting to just be completely bored. And I, I actually did fall asleep at a couple points in the film. <laughs> um, short short periods of sleep, but honestly, it was so... I. I was trying to get into this movie and I just couldn't. I just couldn't care and I didn't like it at all. The end. Drops the mic. <laughs> wow. Um, okay. <laughs> After, so would you say people should see it in the theaters? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, if you want to have a little nap. Oh, well, we'll talk about that later. Okay. <laughs> if you want to have a nap. Wow. <laughs> okay, so after that... Um, the joke that I had prepared for Daniel's uh, review packs a lot less punch, but once I write something down, I commit to it, so I'm going to lead with it anyway. Okay. So Daniel, given how bored you were in a movie set when you were in high school, I can't wait to see what you think about one set in the 50s. What did you think about Hail Caesar? I actually like that joke. That was a good one, Josh. Um, you're, you're I, the one. Uh, I... Well, well. First, I'll say I love the Coen Brothers. Uh, I, I really do. I love the Coen Brothers, and I love film history and old Hollywood. I love it. I cannot get enough. I, I really, really love it. So going into Hell Caesar, I was extremely excited, uh, and I think it was pretty good. I'll say that. I'll, I'll be honest up front, and, and I just, I just, I wasn't bowled over by it. It was, it was enjoyable, and absolutely nothing more. Um, I think. Uh, what was enjoyable about it? Uh, the, the jokes. There were good jokes, some good sequences, 
Um, Channing Tatum's song was hilarious, and um, the 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 best scene in the whole thing was Ray Fiennes directing uh, Hobie Doyle. Uh, that <laughs> oh, was yes. that, that scene. Yeah. That scene was amazing. I mean, yeah, I laughed. Yes. And so that that was a, seriously an, an amazing scene. But the rest of the movie. It, it it just felt like the Coens really wanted to write a movie set in old Hollywood and all they could think of were jokes. And they had great jokes. Great jokes, great scenes, um, and absolutely no story. There was just no story here. I mean, and, and yep. so it was just kind of, I agree with Melody, it was, it was boring. So it was just going from joke to jo- joke to joke. It was like... Uh, it was like an anthology film. It was just It was just different setups and no story at all. So... For that, I just couldn't get into it. The the whole the the sort of storyline that they try to have, uh, you don't care at all, and uh, and it just sort of ends, and there's no real there's nothing to it. So I really liked the jokes. I thought there were some great jokes, some great sequences, but that's it. So I think I think the Coens could have done could have had a much better story in support of these funny sequences. Uh, so you know, it it was. It was fine. Not a rave review, but but it was fine. Well, that that's about twenty times better than Melody's reviews. At so least we'll, twenty. The Coens <laughs> will take it. Let's move on to Chad. How about you? I I actually disagree with with Daniel a little bit in that I do not think that there were joke after joke after joke. I think the <clears throat> I think the jokes were pretty meager. Surprisingly so. I don't think there were a lot of jokes. And I actually think the problem here wasn't that there was no story. It was that there was too much story. Uh, it, to me, it felt like there were 20 movies within a movie. You had these multiple genre parodies. You had like the the religious thing, like the Ben-Hur. You had like the Gene Kelly character, which is like Channing Tatum. You had like the cowboy, singing cowboy, which is like the Gene Autry. You had the <clears throat> communist uh, screenwriters striking against capitalism. And then you had like the, the Ray Fiennes character. And all of those are like their own individual things. You had the Aqua character with Scarlett Johansson all crammed into this one thing. And I think as a result, all of those crammed into one equaled so much that it just didn't <laughs> – didn't amount to anything because some of those worked much better than the other. Like we, as we've already talked about the, the Ray Fiennes thing was hilarious. Uh, I thought the Tilda Swinton twins were also entertaining. Um, but then the rest of them, not so much just because outside of one or two sequences, there just wasn't enough funniness here. I also thought the clergy sitting around the table at the beginning was hysterical. I thought that if that tone had been maintained throughout the movie, I would have enjoyed it a lot more because uh, what results is just these constant dips in pacing where it gets really slow mm-hmm. and then up and down, up and down, up and down. But all that to say, I can't say that I actively hate this movie like Melody does. I, I think that it's I think it's OK. I mean, it's certainly uh, slight for sure. But I, I, I think I enjoyed it, question mark. Uh, I didn't. I didn't hate it. I mean, I didn't. I didn't like leave and like. I wasn't angry that I saw it. It's only an hour and forty minutes long. I laughed a couple of times. I just think they 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 tried to cram so much in there that just none of it. It just didn't coalesce. All right. So that's uh, one and a half for three or something like that. I don't know where we're at now. Uh, I'll save my own review for last and move on to Chris. How about you? I was really excited to see this movie. The trailer was fantastic. The subject matter looked great. 
Coen brothers can be quirky and fun, but also have meaningful, uh, you know, meaningful storyline and plot and all that kind of stuff. This movie's terrible. Uh, it is, it's awful. I, I honestly, I fell asleep in it. I don't fall asleep in movies. This movie, I genuinely was bored out of my mind. I think the thing that I would say for me, you know, I'm the lover of loving things, right? I'm supposed to enjoy all this stuff. But as I was watching it, I just kept thinking to myself, and I think you guys hit the nail on the head, this movie is self-indulgent. I think the Coen brothers had an idea of what they wanted to do. They had, like you said, scenes that they wanted to show, but they didn't have any idea how to connect them, and they just decided not to. There really, there is no plot in this movie. There is, there is no setup. There is no climax or problem and there is no resolution none of it even makes any sense and i was watching the last like 15 minutes of this movie i was like are we done yet are we done yet and then it ends and i'm like that was the end that's how we're that's how we're finishing this i don't know they're just pointless characters in it like like i think somebody already mentioned tilda swinton like why was she even in this movie i don't even i don't even get it anyway i i just was puzzled there was nothing in it that really kept me uh, kept me going, except for a few laughs. Like you said, that I think about a half an hour, forty five minutes into it, there's that directing scene with Ray Fiennes that was spectacular, and that kept me going. I'm like, okay, give me another one of those, another couple things like that, and it never really came. It just didn't. It's not worth the price of admission. It just felt, ugh, felt like I just kept getting more bored and more bored and it did, it just didn't turn out to be worth it for so, me. So let me get this clear. So you and Melody both slept in the theater. I just want to get that picture together of you guys <laughs> yeah. passed out Actually, sleeping. Believe it or not. So this is what happened. So I only, I, I, I fell asleep. I was in this, it was in the same sequence. So it was maybe, you know, like, 30 seconds to a minute that I was actually out. And then I woke up, I woke up and I knew Melody was going to berate me and make fun of me for sleeping. So I looked over at her immediately and she was asleep as well. Uh, and so I was like, okay, well this is, this is definitely uh, you know, proof of, of how horrible. And it was funny. The, as soon as the movie ended, audibly somebody in our theater immediately was like, what was that? You know what I mean? It was just one of those like, wow, yeah, I think, I think this is definitely uh Anyway, so that's that was our experience. It's not that bad. Wow, it's, it's pretty bad. It's, it's probably if I were if I it's were doing Rotten Tomato, I would give it like this, like a, a and it does. It, Josh Tomato. Brolin's character arc in there is the plot. It's his, no kidding. It's his story. No, it is. No, there's no. Come on, it absolutely. Oh, of course it is. Chad is a hundred percent right. Are and you, we you, can talk more about it later. Like maybe if we even do spoilers for this, but Chad is completely right there. Come on. I think Josh loved this movie. I think we just found our first 2016 movie that you liked that everybody else didn't. You didn't hate it, Chad. Come on. No, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it at all. I liked it. Okay. Yeah, I did. But yeah, as the reviews have gone on, I have felt a warmth well up within me. And I'm about to just tell you you're all wrong. And it's great. And... Wow. I, I'm not going to say this is like in my top Coen Brothers movies list or my top movies of the year list, but it was not as bad as you guys were letting on. It was enjoyable. It was quirky. It was, and I'm surprised. Well, okay, I'm not really surprised. No one in here is a real history major. Chad and Daniel, I would expect to be a little bit more up on some of this. I, I'm surprised that no one mentioned that this. This movie is the epitome of comedic 
inside baseball for Hollywood. Sure. It's from start to finish, it's send up from the 50s. They go so far as to name a conference room in the studio after a famous like film an actor scandal back from the 50s. And it's it's just there are layers upon layers depending on how much you know about Hollywood from that era. But it it's it's interesting that people so into the industry have no don't seem to uh, appreciate the it, like Chris said it's it's self-indulgent in a way but it's self-indulgent that I would expect a room full of film fans to really enjoy like it's it's pretentious in the way that's supposed to hit home for us and yeah, I'm surprised that but that only works that only works if it's funny on top of that that as a yeah, conceit but it's, it was, in though. and of itself it, it is not enough it wasn't it wasn't home run after home run but there were so tell me, the, tell, tell me what what jo- this you said Josh Brolin's arc. What is Josh Brolin's arc in this movie? Josh Josh Brolin's arc is it it feels autobiographical for the Coens almost as if at some point in their career they were offered a lucrative job at an ad agency and were like no, we love the theater and we want to or do movies. this instead. We feel this is right. And spoiler alert, but it it really <laughs> it feels autobiographical we should really probably cut that to spoilers if we're if we're doing that at all because For that's all the people kind of the really, end of the movie. really care about this movie yeah don't go see this movie people you're, yeah. you're gonna buzz. come on the trailer was good like someone, trailer was awesome yeah trailer was, was great we're seeing it because of the trailer and they're disappointed because it's not i don't know what they were expecting from the trailer a good movie but, yeah it's, it's a very different movie <laughs> uh from the clergy scene to the Ray Fine scene, Those to the two bubbling communists. I mean, come on. The clergy scene was spectacular. Like I said, like there was a there was a string of scenes. But honestly, I, I really didn't even understand. I guess yeah. Let's just. I'm sorry. Continue, and then we can talk about what bothered me the, some of the most. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, I'm I'm pretty much done ranting. I mean, I I don't. I enjoyed it enough, and part of that might be I was in a very comfortable theater. I was, <laughs> but. Uh, Oh it, it was not that bad. It was funny, and I walked out of the theater thinking, "Yeah, I'd I'd like to I'd like to write a script like that someday." It's not it's not completely. <laughs> so I feel like w- having an ambition to write a script like that isn't a uh, an unattainable ambition. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I can definitely see that the Cohen brothers were they like either they really appear to hate hollywood <laughs> cuz they're in their own in their own world they're like the insiders and the outsiders and i can definitely see the, them placing themselves uh in you know in place of the central character but the the Eddie Mannix character is a real person right uh, so yeah, he's you know <clears throat> he's a real fixer and so there are there is a lot of inside baseball in there and and that is and i that's why i said i did enjoy it for what it was but it's just if you're going to be like – just use another Coen Brothers movie. If you're going to go there, you really have to go there like Barton Fink. You know, Barton Fink is also inside baseball Hollywood, script writing aside. But it is manic and crazy and absurd, and this one tries to play it down the middle, and so it doesn't go quite far enough. And in those two scenes, with that tone, if it had been more consistent, then I think you'd have people on board with it more. But it's it's going to be people like me that can even – tolerate this film i think average joe public that goes in after seeing george clooney in the in the trailer are going to be just like the guy in chris's theater and gonna be like what was that 
So, you know. Yeah, I mean, I understand. I understood. I mean, you call me average Joe Public, but I understand I'm not exactly. you average Joe Public. <laughs> no, but you're saying the people that are going to be not enjoy this movie. I, I honestly understood what they were trying to do. I got it. I understand that they were, you know, trying to do a send up of Hollywood and, uh, you know, does money control art and all that stuff. I get it. I got it. I understand that. I just don't think what they got on the screen was and most of these I mean honestly if you look at the poster if you look at the people who are in this movie they're in this movie for like 10 minutes yeah. at the very very most you know George Clooney's in it probably the most of everybody but it's Josh Brolin's film and I wasn't I didn't really know that going in um who, uh, who is it Jonah Hill is on the poster he's on the poster <laughs> I, he's on the poster. That doesn't even make any sense to me. Um, you know, it's just I just feel like it was it was a, a bait and switch to me. I was expecting one thing. I got in and I was like, oh my gosh, this is not even close to what I was expecting. So I think maybe I just I had my hopes up for this movie. I was actually really looking forward to it, and I think it was just it was just way off base uh, as far as what I was expecting. I should have hedged my uh, expectations a little bit. You should totally. Lot. You should recut the trailer as from your uh, expectations to your experience. Oh, okay. Well, so here's what it would be. It would, would be, be the great. trailer, and then my experience would be like black. It would be because I fell asleep, uh, and uh, this is me like that was my experience. No, I, let's get into spoilers and we can talk about it. If if you're done, you're no fun, Chris. You're no fun. Yeah, I know. All right, so let's uh, let's not say if. You should see the movie or not. No, it's fine. <laughs> Melody, should people see the movie? And, you know, should should they go to a theater to not see the movie? I mean, see the movie. Please save your money and don't go to the theater. If you want to watch it when it comes on demand, have at it. Apparently, people like it. It's got an 80%, so whatever. But I sure didn't. That's a resounding whatever from Melody. Daniel. Uh yeah, you know my answer here. It, I think it's, I think it's totally worth a watch at home. I think totally you'll have a, you know, a fun hour and a half watching it, but you don't need to see it in theaters at all. I think the only reason it has an eighty percent on Rotten Tomatoes is people's expectation. Uh, I had a, when when I after I saw it, I I always post my reaction on Facebook and Twitter and stuff, and and people who were responding were saying, "No, there's no way, Coen Brothers, they can't make a bad movie. It's oh, it's gonna be great. I, I can't wait to see it." And I was like, "I th- I think people just wanted to like it, so you won't. So uh, <laughs> so, but it's it's okay. It's funny enough. So uh, just you know, watch it at home and and save your money." Chad, you definitely don't need to see it in the theater. Uh, but it is not nearly as bad as my compatriots here on the screeners are saying that it is. It's a, it is a unique style that the Coen brothers bring to the table, and it's certainly a Coen brothers film. It has several flourishes that they're known for, and it's there are laughs to be had, not as many as you would hope. Um, and an interesting enough look behind the curtain of old Hollywood, I think, Josh Brolin's character arc of trying to you know, navigate what he's doing is makes it worth seeing at home. So I do agree with that. It should be seen. It's not, I'm not in the Chris and Melody camp where it's like, this is so horrible. Don't watch it. I, I, I definitely think it's worth watching. <laughs> I hesitate to say this. Chris, what did you think? What did I think? I already told you what I think. Uh, but as I, far as going to yeah, see it, final, final opinion, I think, okay. So 
Um, if you're a fan of the Coen Brothers, yeah, you should see the movie. Should you see it in the theaters? I think probably. Um, if you're a fan of the Coen Brothers, it's going to disappoint you, and um, that's okay. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> if you're anybody else, just skip this movie. Uh, it is not for you. It's not meant for you, uh, and uh, <laughs> it's not. It's not a good movie. It's not so, for you. Go back to your Doritos and Monkey Puppy Babies. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, slovenly, Joe <laughs> you Joe Public. You slovenly blue collar. Okay. All right. Well, now that Chris has alienated our audience. I didn't alienate them. Chad did. What are you talking about? Well, that's true. All right. I just told the truth. They don't like it. <laughs> They're not capable of understanding it. You're the Donald Trump of our podcast. Yeah. Just tell it as it is. is. Just tell it as it is. You're all losers. I hate everyone. <laughs> and I will note that you you miss part of the Hollywood um, pastiche, the prestige picture, if you will, and the cuts between um, different film formats if you don't see it in the theater. But I'm the last person to say you need to see something in the theater. So see it wherever you want, but see it. It's a Coen Brothers movie. Round out your, uh, your repertoire of them. So I think it might be a little short, but let's move on into spoilers. The first rule of Fight Club is... You do not talk about Fight Club. Well, you look nervous. Is it the scars? You want to know how I got them? But there's so many places it would never occur to a hawk to hide. However, the reason the Führer's brought me off my Alps in Austria and placed me in French cow country today is because it does occur to me. Because I'm aware what tremendous feats human beings are capable of once they abandon dignity. In the dream, I knew that he was going on ahead. He's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there in all that dark and all that cold. And I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. And then I woke up. So as I mentioned earlier, I feel like the movie is a little autobiographical in the sense that, like like you said, Chris, it's Josh Brolin's movie, and it's his it's his story arc. He is the story that Daniel didn't think was there. It's not a, I'm not going to say it's the, the strongest story in a script, but it, it is there. And he what, has, what is it? I'm the one who said that. Don't give that to Daniel. I'm the one who said <laughs> what? that. You're we the one who said, said there's no story. We Daniel, said Daniel said I'm there's no sure story. Said <laughs> there is, there is, there is no story, but go ahead and tell us about it. I agree with Daniel. There's what, plenty the of story. Side. There what, is a what story. Is, what, what, what is the story? What tell, It's Mannix's soul-searching because he's entertaining this job offer from Lockheed where he could make more money and have more security. And not on a three-ring circus, right. which is the entire aesthetic of the film. Exactly. Uh-huh. Okay, but okay, the, the guy, hold on. The guy, you asked a question. Let's answer it. So uh-huh. the guy is you know, talking about making fun of what he currently does. Mannix feels that it's actually dirty money and more noble than what he does because he's like the, you know, he's the practical fixer in his chosen field. Uh, and so his coming to terms with what he is and what he does and choosing that is the, is the frame of everything else in between. It's a clear story. I don't, I don't even see how you guys. I that isn't a story. How, That's motivation. What's the story? What is he, what is he, what happens? What does he do? It's the, the journey. What are you? Did you guys even? You were asleep, <laughs> Chris. Like about? I don't even know what to say. It's no, there was no story. Clearly, the story. No, there was no story. So, there, Chris, what are you? Story. Saying? Oh my <laughs> God. Chris, did you or did you not think there was a story in Mad Max? There's definitely a story. You want me to tell you? I'll, I'll tell you from uh, beginning to end what no, happened in that don't. story. 
Absolutely. So, I, so, that, so I didn't fall asleep. So here is uh, <laughs> it, the, all the scenes that you guys have mentioned are, as the best ones. We've, we've talked about the Ray Fiennes directing scene. We've talked about the clergy scene. I mentioned the Channing Tatum song. I think that was great. Take all of those out of this movie. How does the story change in any way, shape, or form? It doesn't. Does not it remotely. Change? It doesn't change what? anything. Take what? any of the that scenes out. That is not out. true. Oh, it's, his, I... it's his interaction with the day-to-day madness that shows him what he should choose in the end. The entire thing is him at the very beginning getting this offer and having to make a decision, and he makes that decision based on what he does and what he interacts and what he goes through on a day-to-day basis with the Lockheed guy constantly reminding him of what a quote-unquote three-ring circus it is. That's the arc. That's the character. That's the story. You guys have lost your minds. I don't even know what to say. Okay, so did you care about that? That's irrelevant. What you guys that's, said no, was what you guys said was there is no story and it doesn't make any sense. There I is think clearly that only a Chris story. is saying that. Nobody else is no, saying Daniel that. Daniel said those words verbatim. Said yeah, I said I said there was no story. I, I didn't say it didn't make any sense. The story, the story, the the oh, wait, movie the what? Sense. The what? The story. All right, what? All right. Get off. <laughs> yeah, <So>. exactly. <laughs> Look, this movie is not about a story. I think. Let me rephrase my word. Let me backtrack a little bit. It's not about a story. The story is not why you see the, the story is not the point of the movie. There is no there is no real point of the movie except for oh look old Hollywood was great. That's that's the point of the movie. Here. I, I think it's I old Hollywood it was, was horrible. Old horrible and I'm, new Hollywood is also horrible. I think is what they're trying to say that nothing yeah, I mean, has changed. Admirable as in great or it's you know uh, let's let's look back at how uh, beautiful these pictures were or whatever. But uh, the, the the story is not is not the the focus here. I don't give a crap about Eddie Mannix and he's the main character. What I what I cared about was oh look that's funny that that was it uh, a, a couple times oh there was a few scenes that are funny and so uh, I think they could have just like you said Barton Fink great example of the Coens. Uh, having a better story in, in this in this uh, era, uh, we we could have done it. I, I love that they wanted to go back and look at old Hollywood. I think the sequences were hilarious and and funny. I just I think they could have had more of a story, a substantial story, and made us care at all. Uh, but they didn't. I agree. I th- and I think okay, like you're talking about the Channing Channing Tatum scene. I. Wanted to like that so bad because I love all those movies. I've seen every Gene Kelly movie. Like, I I love all of these old Hollywood movies that they're, like, throwing back to. But I didn't like any of those scenes. I thought they were all stupid. I thought the whole movie was stupid. If you want to see this movie how, the way it should be made, a great movie about old Hollywood that will bring joy to your heart, you need to see Singing in the Rain. Yes. It is, it is the epitome of awesomeness of whatever they're trying to and failing to do in this film. Singing in the Rain is the greatness, and everyone should watch that and forget this movie ever existed. This movie is not stupid. It's a lot of things, but it's definitely not stupid. It definitely has a point of view. It's definitely trying to say something. Now, whether it was effective in doing that for for you or for Daniel is a different story, but it clearly does what it's trying to do. The biggest failing for me is that it just wasn't entertaining enough because they did try – they did somewhat set it up as a farce. And it wasn't quite funny enough for me to put it over the top. But we're really hammering it like it's just an awful film. And I think it's a long way from an awful film. And, and I do think my opinion is coming off that I really hated it. But I said I started out at the beginning saying it was decent. It's really not a bad movie. It's just boring. It's just but... that it has no story and you hated it. <laughs> I, ne- I never said I hated it at all. I said it was decent from the start. But anyway. All right. Well, uh, we have... 
Sorry. No, go ahead. What? No, you. Chad, no, I'm you're, fine. I'm fine. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not de- well, so. I'm not defending it anymore. I can't, I, after I left the movie, I certainly didn't feel like I'm going to be the defender of Hail Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's I think right. you are. I I think you are right, Chad. I will give you that. I think that if it had been either more of a farce and more funny, or more serious and deep then perhaps I would have liked it. And I I honestly think the reason that I hate it so much is because I wanted to like it so much because I do love this content so much. So I I think you're right about that. It was the middle of the road thing that really made me hate it. So there's that. So you guys wanted some kind of slapstick movie I'm hearing. What? No. No. You wanted it to be farcical and... I I, I never said that. No, No, it's just the tonal inconsistencies are the problem. If you take... If you take the clergy scene, you take the director scene, and you have keep that tone up, or the even that amount of joke jokes up, then it, but the, you didn't have that. You you follow those by twenty minutes of pretty uninteresting stuff. So that's the problem. I, I, I'll say, yeah, I'll say I, it I one can, more time. I can see that as a criticism. The, the way that they built this up was it's going to be a quirky uh, Coen Brothers film about old Hollywood about a very popular actor being abducted and them trying to figure out a way to get him back. And that's the way they set it up. Even when you watch the trailer, it seemed like all of the players were going to be involved in somehow getting that character back. Even the poster says, lights, camera, abduction. It's about this abduction that's going to happen. Yeah. And that's that's not the story at all. That that doesn't, I mean, it happens, but it just barely happens. Right. And uh, it's just, it's just, it's it, for me. And again, I'll say it one more time. This is a bait and switch for me. I, I felt like I was going to see one thing, and what I got was a different thing. And if that thing would have been good, I maybe would have enjoyed it. But I just didn't feel like this. What we got was up to snuff with what we were promised, and uh, it could have been so much better. I understand that, but I don't personally. I don't think that's a fair criticism. That sure it is. Sure. No. Okay. So I don't think it is because when. When do you ever get an accurate representation from a marketing department trying to market a film? Almost never. The well, point you, of a marketing department is to get you to go see the movie. Fine, so, but that, that's, that's just absolutely so you're fine. mad because they didn't show you what yeah. what you saw in the trailer. I disagree. I think most most trailers are supposed to give you a tone, a feel for the film, so that you're excited to go see that film. And if the marketing department puts out a trailer that is deceptive, then you should feel How like was it deceptive. Because go back and watch the trailer. It, I it, did. It, okay, it, it 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 feels like it is supposed to be a uh, about a character that gets abducted and them trying to go get him back. Uh, and in 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 no way, shape, or form does that really happen in this movie. That's not what this movie is about. So what I you're agree, saying I, what what you're saying is that the marketing for Hail Caesar plays into Hail Caesar's view of Hollywood. What? Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, oh, that's the stupidest thing I've ever yeah. heard. I don't understand that, but I, but I do just. <laughs> what I mean, do you mean? Mark- <laughs> marketing, good or bad, oh. has nothing to do with the goodness or badness of the film because the Coens have nothing to do with the marketing. I don't. I, don't I, I disagree with that. I'm sure the Coens approved that trailer. There's, the Coen brothers have won Oscars. They are. I, I'm sure they have final cuts on their films. There's no way that they they don't have a say. Uh, I, I just w- what I don't understand is, and again, like this is completely independent. What I'm saying is bait and switch. Number one. Number two. The movie that I saw, I didn't really enjoy. That is fair. Um, th- that's all. I'm. That's what I was saying. That that is all that I'm saying. If if 
I would have expected one thing, and, and it's happened before. I was expecting one thing. I went in and had a different experience, but I enjoyed that experience. Then that's fine, and I understand it. All I'm saying is they set me up to enjoy something, told me it was going to be one way, went in, it was something different, and I thought it was less than what it should have been. That's what I'm saying. And that's I'm, – I'm, I'm done talking about Hail Caesar. I'm done. <laughs> that's it. That's my opinion, uh, and I'm moving on. Well, at least we can Ooh. all go see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and it'll all be happy. That movie looks so good. Krang. Oh, gosh. It's Krang. I can't believe when I saw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the trailer led me to believe it was totally something else <laughs> Dude, and it was exactly. going to be. Exactly. Ridiculous. I cannot wait. That's all not right. ridiculous. Come on. It is you ridiculous. Can't say oh, ridiculous. Chris. It is. It's not ridiculous that you didn't like it. That's totally fair. But being like, I did, it didn't give me what I wanted from the trailer. Come on. We all know we all know how marketing works. Come on, Christopher. Oh man, no that that's a complete legit uh, uh, issue that we have with films. If if you if you're expecting one thing, and the marketing department has given you that thing, and you walk in and you're disappointed, then the marketing department has failed. Sure, but that's still a part of your experience with that with that story. I mean, I, I don't understand how you can separate yourself from those two things. And when so you see a trailer, try not to bring baggage into a movie. I just go in and see it and well, judge it for what it is. is. I'm not, oh, I don't prejudge yeah, Chris, maybe things. You need to see There's no way. We, this is a completely different discussion. Let's I don't table prejudge that things. I just go in and watch it. And, oh, that's baloney. Sure. It's not baloney. <laughs> yes. It, then why would you go see a movie? Why don't you just go pick a random film? Yeah, Chad, pick a random no, film. It doesn't I didn't, make any sense. It doesn't make see sense. He's based on I what see a trailer, and then, I, and then I decide if I want to see it, and then that's it. And then I go see it. The end. Okay. All right, but you saw the trailer for this movie. Would you agree that it's a bait and switch, that the, 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 the trailer does not give you what's in the movie? No, I think the tone of the trailer happens multiple times no, in the does. movie. Oh, man. No, I was so excited uh, about this movie. It absolutely does. I said the tonal inconsistency was the problem why I didn't love it, but to say that that trailer is completely unlike the movie is crazy town. I'm it's done. not. I'm it, done. I can't talk about this anymore. Good. I'm done. Good. I'm done. I feel like Daniel had one last thing to say. Am I right? You are right. I think uh, that the trailer's tone was consistent with the film. I agree with you. It sold us on a story that wasn't there. It sold us on this whole abduction tale that didn't matter at all. But I, again, the ha- trailers have no... It doesn't matter. It doesn't affect the goodness or badness of a film in any way, shape, or form. And so nobody's saying that. Nobody's saying that at all. That, Except I, that's all you just that's, said. That's what you said. <laughs> no, 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 no. That, that is not what I said at all. I said it's what you just said. No, it is not. I said it sets up your expectation for a that's film. That's your fault. That's your problem. No, that's the market. What are you talking about? That's the trailer's <laughs> problem. Are you fault. saying that if I see a trailer, I feel a certain way about a movie, and I go in and I don't see what was promised me in that trailer? Are you saying that's my fault? Yes, because oh my gosh, that's the worst thing I've ever seen. So you're saying if 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 I watch a movie and there it says uh, that there's going to be a particular actor in it, and I go see the movie and that actor's not in it, I have no reason to be upset. Or if if I'm told that there's going to be a yes, Chris, I think when you see when you see a a, a a scene that was put in a trailer and it doesn't make the final cut, you should be irate. That sometimes Keep in happens. Mind, Chad. Yeah, Chris was happens. done arguing this 10 minutes ago. Chris, it does happen all the time. And no, my point is it doesn't stop, matter. They, they, they keep pulling me back in. They keep pulling me back in. Of course it matters. It doesn't matter. Of course. Of course. This, it this argument's dumb. All no, right. it's not. All right. It, it, yeah, it's, it's pretty dumb. That's your great As MC of our little discussion here, I get the last word. And I will say that it could be argued that the story Chad and I have explained or tried to explain that the arc is about Eddie Mannix. It could be argued that the trailer 
teased Eddie Mannix's great conflict in the movie and the reason that he felt that Hollywood was an avocation rather than just a silly job is that he solved this huge problem with the biggest movie star on the planet at that time and that's what convinced him to finally stay and it could be argued that the trailer tied into the plot in that way i think you're stretching sir i i did say it could be argued and it it depends how uh how much you want to give the movie credit for having a story and my contention is that it did but it was not you know it wasn't the year's greatest story or most compelling story but it was there it was couched in a quirky comedy and we have all talked it to death so before we end this uh i aside from this argument uh can we just take a moment to to bask in the glory that that uh four of us mostly didn't like the film but josh really liked this movie he did it's gonna be your favorite movie of the year isn't it i've got a feeling you're you need to remember this well all this means is that i'm consistent all these movies that all you people like (laughs) that i think are ridiculous I'm just Josh. I'm, I'm on your side with this, so don't put me with the commoners. No, you're there. you're right. You're right. I, I appreciate that. No, I, I think you were actually more on our side. I agree. Yeah, you were more on our side until I started talking, and now no. you feel like you have to defend. <laughs> Not at all. That's, that's true. No, I, that's true. I, I said that I listen. liked the movie. I said that I liked the movie, but wasn't great. Here's the problems, and then you guys unleashed the hounds of hell on it, like it's the worst thing ever made, and that's I, just I patently ridiculous. I think it's one of the worst movies ever made. I absolutely agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> and we've reached the point in the evening where chris says things even he doesn't believe <laughs> so yeah i guess it's we have beaten this to death mm-hmm. all of our listeners if there are any of you out there left Probably should not. go to facebook and tell everyone why chad and i are right yes and why everyone else i've seen on my facebook feed is wrong so you can find us like i said on facebook twitter via email just about any way you can think of don't forget to head on over to itunes click subscribe if you hadn't haven't yet Leave us a review. That would be wonderful. Look for a special bonus episode in the next couple weeks with a review of a movie that we are not yet revealing, but it'll be fun. So join us then. We'll see you next time. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to screenerspodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.